this is Lissa and Jerry Lee. Welcome to Experience Eden, This Side of Heaven. We hope this conversation will speak to your heart and inspire joy. Welcome back to Experience Eden on This Side of Heaven. Today, we're talking about emotional intelligence, how it impacts our life and how it impacts the ability for us to do kingdom work. Amen. So by the time when we're born, we are not born with knowledge. We have no intelligence, none of that. You know, we have to be taught this from the moment we're young to growing up. Everything that we know now as grownups, we're taught from a younger age. So going back, what is intelligence? Exactly. So, you know me, I'm a dork and I love my <laughs> definition. So I looked it up because we always have an idea of what we think a word means. And I like to just kind of go back to the roots and really get the actual definition. So intelligence is a noun um, and it is the ability to acquire and apply knowledge and skills. And then IQ, we always talk about like how much of an IQ a person will have. Mm -hmm. And it's also a noun. It's a number representing a person's reasoning ability. And so I was a little surprised by that. I always thought IQ was just level of intelligence. Yeah. And so it's actually the way that we um, reason and I guess maybe problem solve mm -hmm. and how we interpret information and then respond to that information. So I actually enjoyed seeing that definition and kind yeah. of getting the root of what that all means. Um, and so like Lissa just said, the quest for intelligence begins almost the second we're born. And so mm -hmm. mommies and daddies and nurturers start really quick with teaching, you know, say mama. Yeah. <laughs> like right? every, every little thing. It's like, that is the caregivers just, it's an innate role that we jump in to fill the second there's a baby or a little one in the room. And even me as an adult, if I have a four or five year in the role in the room, my first response is like, okay, what can I teach them? What can yeah. we learn? What can we Definitely. do together? How can they learn something new today? Yeah. And it's just kind of as a human being, I think the initial response to someone who we think we could impart some wisdom on. Yeah. And how much does our society and just our culture, like how much do we thrive on intelligence? Like how much do you know? You know, there's stuff at our fingertips, our phone, anything you don't know, we like look it up right away. Like we yeah. just want to thirst and thirst for knowledge, you know, for everything. Yeah. And you know, it's so funny because with technology, especially with the invention of the internet and then smartphones, mm -hmm. I mean, even with the internet, you had to go to a, like a, a desktop computer and you know mm -hmm. try to look things up. And that changed the world because we didn't have to go to Britannica or an encyclopedia and find this stuff out. Uh, and then with the invention of Google and these search engines where you can just type in a room and gather any sort of information at any time, it's such an incredible advancement. And um, with these little computers in your hand, like even when Ryder will ask me a question that I have no idea the answer to, and I'll go, I don't know, buddy, let's Google it. You yeah, know, let's exactly. Like the definition of intelligence. I don't know what the actual definition is. Let's just Google it. Yeah. And so there's no excuse anymore mm -hmm. to having a lack of intelligence. As long as you live in a place and a time where you're able to obtain these tangible things where you, it's a gift really yeah. um, from God that, that he has developed this wisdom and this intelligence and this uh, technology that we can have this. Mm -hmm. But that almost has intensified the, the problem because now there's really isn't an excuse. We are all uh, exposed to the same amount of information. Mm -hmm. And so the quest gets you know, harder and yeah. faster and how much can I learn and how quickly can yep. I learn and how much the ultimate goal is, you know, the best career you can get, the yep. most money you mm -hmm. can make. Uh, and so we value that though as a society. Yeah. And, you know, 
when a kid goes into kindergarten, one of the first questions they ask you, other than like your favorite color or your favorite food, is what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm. Nobody thinks of who they want to be. It's what yeah. do you want to be? Yeah. And I think we're really, we're missing the mark when we immediately foster that and only that for the first 13 years of school. Yeah. And we don't focus on who our people are becoming. Yeah, exactly. It's just what are they going to do with their intelligence? And how are you going to get there? Like, what do you need to know to get there? It is. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. That's just kind of just me. <laughs> like, wow. It's like, I, I'm more focused now. And, um, you know, and I, in full transparency, I didn't reach some of my educational um, goals and my career goals that I had set for myself way back in kindergarten when they asked me what I wanted to be. <laughs> I did a long essay. <laughs> I did the all about me poster. Um, yeah, I didn't reach some of those goals. And the funny thing is, I mean, I do have a couple of regrets. I wish I was more accomplished uh, academically and um, wouldn't mind having a few letters after my name. But the reality is at this point of knowledge and experience in my life, that's not important anymore. Mm-hmm. It's important for me to be a person of God and to represent God. So the what has been completely replaced with the who. Mm. And and that's part of why it's so important for me now to make sure that people just hear this message. Yeah. And I hope young people hear this message. And I hope people, the parents of young people and those who have influence over young people really hear this because we have the power to change the next generation Mm -hmm. if we exercise what we're going to talk about today Mm -hmm. and the emotional intelligence. Um, And so the funny thing is, you know, it it took me to become a mother Mm -hmm. to understand the importance of emotional intelligence. And am I raising a child that's in touch with his emotions that can express his emotions in a healthy way that can impact his community Mm -hmm. through healthy emotions? And it wasn't until I was, placed in a position of of trust by God to raise this little boy that I realized the true impact of it. And I'm so thankful for that. Uh, Yeah, that's so interesting. So then moving on, what's the difference then in emotional intelligence? Okay, so another definition. Yeah, here we go. I know, here it goes. Uh, So emotional intelligence is the capacity to be aware of control and express one's emotions and to handle interpersonal relationships judiciously and empathetically. And so it's really important that we really put the emphasis on empathy. Mm -hmm. I think that's the cornerstone of emotional intelligence Um, because we also need to be able, as much as we're in touch with our own emotions, we have to be in touch with others' emotions and how we, Mm -hmm. how in an interpersonal relationship, your emotions are connected to mine Mm -hmm. and vice versa. And so um, the question then comes, well, who does this? Yeah. Like who does this teaching? Exactly. And, right. Like, like where did we learn this? Right. What textbook was that in? Yeah. Well, <laughs> we learned it by trial and error and a lot yeah. of pain and a lot of mistakes yep. and, you know, bruised knees emotionally, so mm-hmm. to speak. Um, and so the reason that we wanted to do this podcast is to say, like, we actually are empowered to do this. And all the more because we are believers in Jesus Christ and because we read the Bible and we seek biblical terms and principles uh, for how we navigate life. And we were just talking about this. You know, the Bible can't be called a manual in, in the sense that it details perfectly mm-hmm. how to navigate every situation in life. But it kind of does, too, at the same time, because, you know, the Great Commission is to go and love thy neighbor as thyself. And so we have a lot of interpersonal conflict. 
But if we just exercise that one principle, it would alleviate like, a lot. <laughs> but it doesn't, you know, there's spe- you know, specific problems and spe- specific um, conflict that, yeah, it's not detailed, you know, line by line in the Bible. But the overarching principles mm-hmm. are there on how you conduct yourself as a loving and empathetic and righteous person. And thank God for sending us the perfect example in Jesus Christ. Yes. He sent us the perfect person. And so when... When your sympathy, which is feeling bad for someone going, oh, I'm sorry, your mother's sick. Mm -hmm. I feel so bad that your mother's sick. That's so sad. That's sympathy. Um, And uh, many, many people are able to identify that a sad situation um, warrants, you know, a conversation of, I feel bad for you, or that's so terrible, or hopefully as a Christian, you know, I'll pray for you. How can I come alongside you? But that's the thing. When sympathy becomes a verb, when how a person's situation evokes in you a response, now it's empathy. And empathy is the action of understanding, being aware of, being sensitive to, and vicariously experiencing the feelings, thoughts, and experiences of another. That's the cornerstone, for me anyway, mm-hmm. for emotional intelligence. When I'm aware of how I'm feeling, And now I see that you're feeling something similar so I can identify with you Uh and I can support you and encourage you from a place of understanding and not just a place of understanding, but a place of action. So I can see that you have experienced a loss in your family. So have I. I know what that feels like. So now I can come alongside you because I know what it feels like to be in the trenches emotionally and I can help you fix it because I know... I know that there's tangible things like I can bring you a meal. There's emotional things like I can just call you and let you cry. Yeah. Because there's nothing I can do, but I can let you cry Mm -hmm. without judgment, without unsolicited advice of how you need to navigate it. Because hurt hurts. And it's going to hurt until it doesn't hurt. (laughs) You know, and and it's not fair to say to someone who's hurting, we just get over it or you'll be fine, you know, eventually. Those those statements, as as well-intentioned as they may be, they're not helpful. No. And so you just got to let a person grieve and be there for them in a tangible way and create that bond and that relationship where they know, okay, I can go to her and it's a place of safety. There's no judgment and she, she gets it. Mm-hmm. She understands. And there's so much healing in just being understood and, and allowing yourself to express your feelings and not to worry about the friendship being broken or not being understood or being judged or being advised and just be. Yeah. And there's a lot of healing in that. And so... For me, when I think about God and how he equips us this way, he really did send Jesus to be the representative. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus, one of my, not one of my favorites, but almost on the top top is, <laughs> is the verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. And it says, it's two words, Jesus yeah. wept. He didn't say, this is how you need to stop crying. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry this happened to you, but move on. Yeah. He got down and he cried with them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's the most healing thing you can do because when you're crying because someone is crying, that person feels seen mm-hmm. and understood. And so it's really important that we do that. And Jesus was the example. And he didn't empathize with a leper. He got down and touched him, which at the time was unbelievable. It blew mm-hmm. people's minds. You don't touch a leper. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't associate with prostitutes and tax collectors and murderers. And, you know, it, Jesus was the model for us of how you interact with people that you don't think look like you or act like you or think like you. You love them anyway. Yeah. And and so in that sense, the Bible has told us everything we need to know because mm-hmm. we need to get outside of ourselves and look at the suffering of others. And not we're not Jesus. We can't do everything. We can't raise people from the dead and we can't heal a leper. I get it. But we can love them. Yes. 
you're not expected to fix everyone or, mm-hmm. or you know, unbreak everything that's broken. Yeah. That's not the point. The point is to love people in the brokenness and to come alongside them. And it's so healing. Absolutely. And I love what you said about that is actually taking action to be with someone who's hurting allows them to be seen Mm -hmm. like that makes such a huge difference Mm -hmm. to feel like someone understands you and can come alongside you and just how like you said healing that is i Mm -hmm. love that yeah oh it's huge yeah and have you ever um i hope you've been in this situation not that i'm (laughs) hoping that you've been grieving but but when someone when you're grieving inside and you're having a really bad day and you just need to be seen and someone who loves you hugs you and you just lose it. <laughs> you like didn't do anything. Yep. You just know that in that moment you're being comforted and it gives you the safe place to just let it out, mm-hmm. you know? And I've been in situations like that. And you know, uh, when I was going through uh, the divorce with my son's father, I just wished I didn't have the words to reach out and I didn't have the confidence to reach out really. Um, I was ashamed of the situation. I was fearful of everything that was going on. And I just wish somebody would ask, mm-hmm. like, are you okay? Do you need anything? Is something going on? Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I was, I was emotionally immature. I was spiritually immature. And I just didn't have the tools to reach out. And I just wish someone could identify my suffering. Yeah. And so for me, I think that God allowed me to go through those situations because I see that now. And God has gifted me. I, I really firmly believe that God has gifted me with the ability to see suffering that isn't stated. Absolutely. I was just going to say <laughs> that because yeah. now you always are reaching out to people. You mm-hmm. are always making people feel so mm-hmm. seen. And I think that goes back to that experience where you didn't feel seen. Mm-hmm. So then you impart that on everyone else that's around you. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, I, I'm sure I've said this quote multiple times before, but it's a, a Pastor T.D. Jakes, or Bishop T.D. Jakes quote um, that not everything you go through is for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really do believe that there's just so much suffering in this world and there's people that are emotionally mm-hmm. equipped to to deal with it in a, in a healthier way. And so God will allow us to go through those things so that we can be placed in the path of people who are going to endure similar struggles and maybe not have either the emotional maturity or mm-hmm. the spiritual maturity to navigate it in the same way and so that we can be placed in their path from a place of empathy yeah. to come alongside them. Mm-hmm. You know, counselors and therapists and stuff like that, pastors are, are phenomenal resources, but... I can't talk to someone about something I haven't experienced in a way that the things that I've experienced will touch and impact their life. Yeah. And so professionals are great. And I encourage, I think everyone could benefit from therapy and and certainly pastors in church. But um, sometimes the advice, the, the understanding, the um, camaraderie of someone who's endured the same thing is exponentially helpful and just so healing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to be able to do that too, like you said, you have to put, you have to put others before yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to be selfless enough mm-hmm. to be able to get down with them and reach out to them and not just be like, oh, I don't really want to talk about that. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to shove it. Like, yeah. Oh, a lot of people do that. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's not my problem. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, or exactly. like, um, if, if I don't engage, then I don't have to do any work and I don't have to be uncomfortable. Exactly. Or heaven forbid inconvenience. Yes. Uh, we live in a painfully um, entitled, and I, I could almost say narcissistic, but that's a big, heavy word. <laughs> but but in the sense that 
someone can only identify what they're going through, what they feel, what mm -hmm. they need. And when you do that, you miss the suffering of others. You just don't see it. <laughs> and yeah. it's not its not that the person is nasty. But when you are self-centered, you can't mm -hmm. be God-centered. If yes. you're self-centered, you can't be friend or family-centered. Mm -hmm. It's just, it, it's in the word. If you're yeah. self-centered, that's all, that's in, your entire thought process revolves around you. Mm -hmm. And so we live in this place and a time and in a society where, you know, do what makes you happy. Yeah. Well, you do make you. somebody else unhappy. <laughs> what if it's hurtful? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, or, you know, you just do you, girl, yeah. that whole thing. Or like, we, li we just live in a time where we have, in my opinion, my humble opinion, we have misplaced our needs to the point of disregarding the needs of others. And it's a Absolutely. very dangerous place to be. Yeah. And, and it's, and I'm scared mm -hmm. quite frankly for that because when a self-centered person marries or when a self-centered person becomes a parent, what happens to the other people in that equation? Mm -hmm. What happens to the spouse? What happens to the child? It's, it has generational implications. It has kingdom implications, yeah. uh, whether or not that marriage will survive. Mm -hmm. Whether or not that child will grow up to be a self-centered person, you know, it, it really is. It really is important, and I and I think we don't, as a society, certainly as an educational system, it's completely disregarded. Yeah. Um, but as a society, it's like we don't want to even talk about it because when you realize that you don't have emotional intelligence, then you got to do something about it. It's the whole thing of like, okay, now that I know better, I have to do better. Yeah. And, and if, it takes work. And it's painful. Yeah. Ooh, it's really uncomfortable and it takes an authenticity and a raw honesty and humility most people are not prepared for mm -hmm. because they don't have emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. So it's it's this it's this wicked cycle. If we start teaching this to our children and when they're babies, when they're learning their shapes and their colors, mm -hmm. and we you know, why why do you feel that way, little Johnny? Let's talk about it. You know, when yeah. when you do things like that. Um, and, and it's, and it could be something sincere. I'll give you a perfect example. I'm babysitting my niece right now and she's amazing. And she got a little cut on her, on her foot and it had like a piece of that wiggly skin that you really need to get off. Yeah. And it was hurting and I said, okay, I'll go fix it for you. You know? And so I went and got like cuticle cutters and I came back in the room and she saw a weapon. Yeah. <laughs> she screamed like she'd been shot. <laughs> so she was like, ah! she had a whole meltdown because I was holding the cuticle cutter. Yeah. I, I didn't even, I walked in the room. I didn't even get next to her. And so I let her have her moment, kick and scream. She opened her eyes and the big alligator tears. She's like, you're going to hurt me. And I go, why are, you, why are you crying, baby? Nothing happened. Yeah. Nothing has happened. Why are you crying? Well, I don't know. I'm just scared. And so sometimes we have this huge theatrical, dramatic re reaction to relationships and to a conflict. And mm -hmm. we just, we blow things out of proportion, out of fear. When she could have just said, is that going to hurt? <laughs> see the difference yeah. you know what I mean and she's fine I'm not saying she did anything wrong but what I'm saying is as adults we do the same thing absolutely so we see a stimuli mm -hmm. or a situation that is uncomfortable or fearful or, or unfamiliar and we freak out when we could have just asked a question yeah or expressed oh I've never seen those before that's kind of scary but what I'm saying is we have to start really young mm -hmm. and we have to impart that upon our our children and our family members and so by the end of it she was like oh and i explained it all to her guess what she let me do it <laughs> and it doesn't hurt no it's all good and she there. was so proud <laughs> but again and i just told her i said well you don't have to cry baby we can have a conversation yeah and it's just it's moments like that and i've done that with Ryder. and and so when there's something uncomfortable or scary or unfamiliar well let's talk about it mm -hmm. you know and as adults we have five-year-old meltdowns all the time Yep. And I gotta, I'm going to tell you, sister, it looks just like a five-year-old having a meltdown. <laughs> it doesn't look any more sophisticated or any more really? mature because we're in big bodies. 
we look just as ridiculous and just as fearful and just, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's, it's really important that um, we try and get in touch with that. And if it didn't happen when we were younger, because it wasn't a thing and um, people didn't talk about it, yeah. we now have the ability to assume the responsibility to do it for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So just like I learned any new task or any new skill in adulthood, I can do this. We can do this as friends. We can yeah. come alongside each other and do that and have conversations about it. We can do it with our children. Anyone within our sphere of influence, whether grown up, they're big, little, doesn't matter. And so it's actually an empowering thing to go, oh, I can heal relationships. I can mm -hmm. avoid conflict if I practice this. It's huge. Yeah. And it comes down to communication a lot. Time and then the getting out of yourself. Yeah, definitely. I can definitely speak to this. <laughs> I am definitely working on emotional intelligence right now. Basically expressing my emotions. So I am someone who... I don't express my emotions because I don't feel like I want to put that burden on people mm. type, per se. So I internalize everything, you know, mm. however I'm feeling, I internalize it and then I go and deal with it on my own. You know, I'm the oldest uh, child mm -hmm. out of three of us. And I was always, you know, trying to be super strong for the family. And then I'm the person that'll go and cry behind closed doors where no one can see me. Mm. Right. Because I think I'm trying to be strong for everybody. So I don't I don't express those emotions because I just don't want to impart them on anyone else right. so right now with my fiance Ryan oh boy yeah <laughs> this is real talk he, today. <laughs> yeah he has been making me really work on expressing myself so like I said when I am going through something I tend to distance myself I just want to be alone you know mm -hmm. I would go into the corner it's just me and God and we're just going to figure this thing out mm -hmm. and um and get through it and that's it I don't mm -hmm. go to anybody else it's just me all by myself so now, though, with Ryan, bless his soul, he is so emotionally intelligent. He can tell you how he feels, why he feels that way, what he's going to do about it. Like wow, everything. that's a huge blessing. Yes, yeah. he is. He is a huge blessing in that way, but he is very emotionally intelligent. And he can tell, he can read me like a book. So wow. I'll go into the other room. I can give you an example. I um, lost my grandmother recently. Um, may she rest in peace. You know, we just miss her. And... I know she's with Jesus though, and I have a peace knowing that, but I see my family just really hurting, okay. you know, just, and that hurts me. It makes me super sad because there's nothing I can do about it. And that's mm -hmm. the worst place to be in when you just see people you love suffering and you just can't do anything yeah. about it. So anyways, all this stuff is going through my head and I leave and I go, you know, to the room and I'm just reading. And Ryan comes in and he's like, babe, like, what's going on? Like, I see that you're distancing yourself. Like, what's wrong? And I'm like, no, I'm good. Like, I'm always that person. Like, I'm good. Like, nothing's wrong. I'm fine. Just thinking about stuff. Like, I'm good. And he's like, babe, I know you. Mm -hmm. And I know that something's wrong. Like, talk to me about it. Like, I want to know what's going on. He's like, I know you used to deal with problems, like, all by yourself. Because we talk a lot about different things. Like, I know you used to deal with things by yourself, but you're not alone anymore. Like, yeah. I want to hear how you're feeling. I want to be in the battle with you. Like, I want to come alongside you. Wow, like, you're beautiful. not, yeah, you're not by yourself. And he was like, it hurts me when you distance yourself from me. It hurts me when you shut me out and don't tell me things that are going on with you because I'm going to be your husband. Like, we're one. Like, I want to know all these things. And I was just like, oh. wow, take it back. And of course, I just start bawling and just telling them everything that's, you know, going on in my head. And it was such a good moment for both of us. Bonding too. Yeah, right? totally bonding. But he has just been totally, and it took him to, you know, like, 
press push. on me. Yeah, push those things to get those walls down. But because I've never had that before, you know, mm -hmm. like guys in my other relationship were like, cool, she's not talking about it. Good. I'm off the hook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where he's just like, no, I want to talk about everything and every anything. Like, so he like broke is breaking those walls down on me, which is so good for me because I'm learning so much. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I used to internalize so much. So I've been working on just being more open with him. And he's really been making me think about like, why I feel a certain way That's and like huge. he's like my therapist <laughs> like, I, girl that is a huge blessing <laughs> he's like but why do you feel that way I'm like I don't know I thought about I'm like that. maybe I'm hangry he's <laughs> <laughs> like let's go get you a burger babe I'm like yes <laughs> no. yeah no I'm just kidding but really he's really been challenging me that way and really helping me to grow um, my emotional intelligence. So, like, mm. when I was telling him, like, what we were studying, he's like, God is so good. See? Yes. Isn't his timing amazing? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's so amazing. He gives us exactly what we need. Yeah. When we need it. And so, I'm so glad you told that because I, I looked up some of the verses that really drove this home for mm -hmm. us and that he wasn't act, asking you to get over it. Yeah. He wasn't dismissing your feelings and going, oh, like, oh, like you said, oh, thank God, I don't have to deal with this yeah. right now. He wanted to get down in the dirt with mm -hmm. you and lift you out of it with him as your partner, as yeah. your helpmate. And that is really what the Bible tells us to do. Mm -hmm. And so in Matthew 6, 24a, no one can serve two masters. Either mm -hmm. you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. The reason that I chose this verse is this. It goes back to the self-centeredness. Mm -hmm. So in this respect, the analogy would be the two masters are yourself or others. Yes. Okay. And so when you're not serving others, you're not serving God. When you're mm -hmm. serving yourself, you're only serving yourself. And so in the moment, you cannot serve two masters, especially when someone is grieving or needs to be seen. You cannot focus on you. You have to focus on them. Mm -hmm. So if you are self-centered and you do disregard the suffering of others, then that's the master you're serving. Yeah. You're serving yourself. And that is not what God has called us to do. Um, Galatians 6, 2 and 3, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. And in John 15, 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And really, in order for us to have healthy and productive and joyful relationships, we need to exercise all of these things. Yeah. And again, and it doesn't mean like you're not denying yourself and you're not, not important if you're caring for someone else. That's silly. Mm -hmm. But so that is where you have to completely just let go of self at least temporarily to love that other person. Mm -hmm. And so it's the problem is it's not being taught conventionally. So it's our responsibilities within our our sphere of influence and within our family circle, friend circle, our ministry circle. It's really up to us who are aware of this. Mm -hmm. And this is not to shame anyone or to say, you know, somebody's doing something wrong or bad. We we just live in a society where people don't know this. Yeah. And again, it's not being taught. You, there's no, there's no classes for this. And so you just kind of expected to pick it up by osmosis. Yeah. And that is failing on epic proportions, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so it's really important that we do this. And so in order to do this, we have to seek God mm -hmm. and we need to seek um, the wisdom of loving others. And so, and then this, this other thing that we wrote down that I really wanted to talk about is like, okay, so how does that look practically? Yeah. First of all, I suggest that you start exercising it yourself. Mm -hmm. You can't teach something you don't know. Yep. And so you really, and I, you know, reach out to us, email us. I would love to have a conversation with somebody about this. 
um, go to your Bible study group. Yep. Go to your pastor and start there. Start somewhere that is spiritual and Bible-based first because mm-hmm. you don't want, well, I don't want, <laughs> to lead anyone away from the Bible or from Jesus or from biblical principles. Absolutely. Okay? That's where that's wants to be the focus, and that's where I want to direct people. Yeah. But as parents, we have to teach this and model it for our children. Children are wonderful identifiers of hypocrisy. Mm. They can pick it up. I don't care if they are five <laughs> or twenty-five. If you're being a hypocrite and you're saying do as you know, do as I say and not do as I do, they pick it up real quick. Oh yeah. And so if they identify hypocrisy, they're not gonna do it. Yeah. So you need to model it mm-hmm. for your children and you need to have conversations about it. Here's the thing. When your kid is fifteen, they're probably not gonna listen. It's probably, you know, if they're if your child is fifteen, start now. <laughs> I'm not saying don't, but what I'm saying is if you've got little ones. Start as soon as possible. They are not too young or too little or too innocent or immature to get this concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and start. And then again, if your if your daughter's thirty five, your son is forty, have this conversation. You're on a different plane now. You're not um, you're not the guardian and not the keeper of their time every day. Now they look at you almost more as a friend. Mm-hmm. Wise counsel. Do it. Do yeah. it no matter how old your kids are. Um, the other one is spouses. We have to practice this with our husbands and wives. And so Absolutely. this is the perfect example, <laughs> right, to be able to have this conversation. Absolutely. And it doesn't have to be a situation because, you know, in a marriage, sometimes you can feel like you're being lectured or mm-hmm. condescended to or whatever. It's it's for the purpose of strengthening the relationship. And like you just said, in a moment where you were most vulnerable, it was the most empowering within the relationship. Yep. When you allowed yourself to be transparent and, and authentic and honest, it actually helped to build up. You didn't deny anything about yourself. You didn't lose any of yourself. No. You gained Ryan. Mm-hmm. And that's what sometimes we fear when we're vulnerable and when we are uh, so authentic and just so... Um, raw, we mm-hmm. feel like something we're going to lose, yeah. and it's not. And you gain the other person, the trust, mm-hmm. the bond, um, that that interweaving of souls and that connection that is supposed to happen in a marriage. Absolutely, because even when he said, like, when he brought up that it hurts him when mm-hmm. I do distance myself, I was like, huh, like thinking because he's so good at expressing himself like he'll tell me everything from you know morning till night how he feels everything where I'm just not like that Mm -hmm. as much but if I reverse the roles like I would be pretty upset and sad if he went into the other room and like distanced himself Mm -hmm. and didn't talk to me about it right because he tells me everything and I love that I love hearing what he has to say and like everything he goes through and you know (laughs) uh, we talk about it and I love that so I was like trying to think like dang if the roles were reversed and he did that to me, me, it would definitely bother me. And I could see how that would hurt our relationship. Like if Mm -hmm. I continued to stay like that and do that and just shut him out, how detrimental that would be to our relationship. So Mm -hmm. that's why I like into it. I'm like, oh, I really need to work on this. And it's not something that I was like, like, like trying to hurt him to do it's just something i've always done and like i said we're not taught we're not taught this right Right. so just backtracking and trying to relearn like it's okay to express you should express your Mm -hmm. emotions you know and some people are the opposite and they express their emotions like crazy you know they don't control them so it's just like whatever end of the spectrum you are you have to come to that middle ground Mm -hmm. to be able to express yourself in a the right way because there's so many ways to express yourself in the wrong way you know Mm -hmm. so it's just definitely learning those things about yourself Mm -hmm. and then helping others i love that you said something you just said this really triggered me because you said well i that's i wasn't that way Mm -hmm. 
And so, so many of us think like, well, I wasn't raised that way. Yeah. Or I have never done it that way. Mm -hmm. Or I'm not that way. Mm -hmm. And so we get in this rut of, of historical um, problems mm -hmm. and historical uh, behaviors that are not beneficial to us or our relationships. And so to just simply say, well, that's not how I ra was raised. Yeah. That doesn't be how you were raised doesn't make it right. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of toxicity in families. There's a lot of toxicity in emotions mm -hmm. and um, practices and behaviors. So how I was raised is not how I should raise. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like you have to be very mindful of that. And sometimes when people say, well, that's not how I was raised. Mm -hmm. Really what they're saying is, I don't know different. Yeah. I don't know any better. Yeah. Or I don't know a new or different way to do it. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to read between the emotions because I've seen people in conflict and people in pain. Well, that's not how I was raised. Okay, well, let me talk to you about a different way. Yeah. And it's encouragement and love. And because there's a pain and well, that's not how I was raised. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's yeah. a pain there. Yeah. And it's deep. Mm -hmm. And so if we just said, well, that's how I was raised and continued it and continued it, that's generational curses, not necessarily sin per se, but it's just a curse that means like, okay, I'm continuing the same cycle of unhealthy behavior. And so you have to break it. You have to break the chains of, of toxicity and unhealthy or inappropriate things. And it's scary mm -hmm. because sometimes the unknown is more scared than the toxic familiar. Oh yeah. And, and I mean, more scary, you know? And so, um, the other part that really kind of hit me was like that word minister, like ministry and minister, it seems like a big fancy word that somebody went to school for a really long time to do. Mm -hmm. Yes. There are very amazing, very trained ministers, ordained ministers. And so that's a big word. But really, again, going back to Merriam-Webster here, um, the <laughs> definition is um, it's a verb, which I thought was really cool because I like the difference between noun and verb, mm -hmm. people, place, and thing versus action. Yep. Minister is a verb, and it's an action. It's someone who attends to the needs of others. It's really simple. Yeah. So I'm not going to call myself a minister, but I do minister mm -hmm. to people. I do care for the needs of others. Yes. And so... When you think about that, it's it's not just in a church setting. You could minister to someone in line at Starbucks and you, you're just having a bad moment. You could minister to a friend. You could minister to a spouse. You could minister to your minister. Mm -hmm. Every human being needs ministry yep. and, needs, and needs to be ministered to at one time or another. And so... Again, this, this whole point of all of this is to empower you, not to discourage you, not to shame you, not to make you feel bad if you've done something wrong or bad or ignorantly. Uh, it's to empower you and encourage you. Like you have the power of ministry within you. Mm -hmm. You can encourage and uplift someone around you with this information, this new knowledge and being in touch with your emotions and being able to be in touch with your partner's emotions or a stranger's emotions is such a gift from heaven. Yeah. It's so huge and it's so healing and we have such a kingdom impact. Um, and so, when I feel like I need to help someone, mm -hmm. it's not always doing something for them. It's just being there for them. Yeah. And so um, I think it's really interesting that there's so much suffering in, fa in families and there's a, there's a bridge there because you need to bridge like the discomfort and the pain with the healing. Yeah. And it's something so simple as, you know, people aren't aware of how they're affecting each other. And like you just said perfectly, you know, I didn't mean to hurt him. Mm-hmm. And I, we talked about this in a previous podcast, um, Words Matter, Yeah, uh, is that your intention really doesn't matter mm -hmm. a whole darn <laughs> because your intention and how it impacts the other person can be completely disconnected. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really important to recognize, like, you know, are you frustrated? 
um, are you irritated? Like we were talking about in our parenting podcast it was like your tone and how you approach a situation has a huge effect on the outcome of the situation. Um, so, you know, for example, maybe a husband came home from work and he's irritated and mommy's running at him with questions. Babies are running at him with questions. Everybody missed daddy. They just wanted his time and attention. He just got through the door. Yeah. And he could snap at somebody or be harsh and be unaware. It was like, he's in his head. He had a bad day. Work was brutal. The commute was brutal. I just want to come home, put my feet up. Yeah. And all these people want things from me. And the tone, the harshness can really impact the entire family. Mm -hmm. And it, again, it comes down to self-awareness. So I want to, like, one of the themes of this is I want to, to help people to become less self-centered and more self-aware. Aware of how you are impacting the people around you. And like you said, well, you didn't mean to hurt him, but you did. Mm -hmm. And so he was, he had the emotional intelligence to come to you and say that. You're like, oh gosh, I didn't mean to hurt you. Yeah. And now we can come to a solution. Yep. It's communication mm -hmm. and it's self-awareness and it's vulnerability. And it's so impactful and has so much to do with um, the health of our relationships that we have to pay attention to it. Yeah, exactly. And I like how you said, like, even if you weren't, taught that way or raised that way mm -hmm. that's not an excuse mm -hmm. you know like for me I I wasn't taught you know to express every single emotion but I'm learning to because right. I know how important it is for my relationship and that's right. what's you know important yeah. to me and like with friends you know my fiance parents like mm -hmm. I'm trying to do better like right. once you know you got to do better right. so that's yeah. like it's just not an excuse just because you don't and that's why I think it's so important that some people just don't know why they feel certain ways and stuff like that. And like Ryan has really been helping me sit with that. He's like, like I'm like the five year old. He's like, Ugh. why do you feel that way, oh, honey? I wish everyone would talk to me like, like I was five. I don't know. Right? <laughs> like, why are you crying? Can, can you think about it? I'm like, okay, yeah. But that's the thing. We don't process. We yeah, just react. Exactly. We don't respond. Mm -hmm. We don't receive information, think about it, and mm -hmm. then respond to it. Mm -hmm. We see something and we just react yeah. immediately without yes. the process. And, and we react to old stimuli and we react to generational sin and we react to things that are very unhealthy and very um, reactionary, you know, and then what we do is we damage relationships. And oftentimes we damage views of ourselves too, mm -hmm. our own self-worth and our own um, our self-image. And so it's, it's interesting because going back to the original point of like our society and our world, um, it has so much emphasis on traditional intelligence, mm -hmm. learned intelligence. And, and there's a, obviously a place for that. Go to school, <laughs> get a good career. Yes, absolutely. But these are not, they're not bifurcated. They're not separate or opposite from each yes. other. They should ideally exist in tandem and exist, like coexist together for the benefit of all. Mm -hmm. So, and we just gave the example of a husband being aware of his tone. How about a coach being aware of his tone? If a kid's not understanding something over and over, like, I hear stuff like this all the time at practices. What the hell's wrong with you? Aren't you listening? Like, you know, rather than an empowering speech or a, um, you know, something that's uplifting and encouraging them or um, maybe a, a boss. A boss can come and get your and we get deadlines and things get stressful in the mm -hmm. workplace. And rather than empowering and uplifting employees, you know, you come down because they did that one thing that was wrong. What if we watched our words? What if we watched our tone? What if we uplifted each other and encouraged each other rather than criticize and break down? And so overall, it would just be so wonderful if we were aware, because we're so like, for the workplace example, you know, we're all in our different cubicles and the boss mm -hmm. is in his office and he's upset because something went wrong and he just comes out and lashes out at everybody. Okay, something got messed up at the yeah. job and it, you know, time is money and problems and mistakes cost money. I get it. But what I'm saying is if you problem solve in a way that you are aware emotionally of how what you're asking mm -hmm. is impacting others 
It's no secret that employees work better for bosses that they feel respect for. Absolutely. That they feel cared for by. So uh, it's no secret. This mm -hmm. is real basic stuff. But because we get so focused on our deadlines and our tasks and our careers and our school, we just lose sight of it. And it's really important that we just get back to basics. And um, I think we need to realign the importance in our own hearts and heads between the IQ and the EQ. Mm -hmm. And it's not, I'm not even saying one is more important than the other, but they have to be equally important and equally taught and equally learned. Yeah. Because a doctor with compassion and empathy is far better than a narcissist. <laughs> Right. Yes. Who's worried about his golf, his tea time, and wants to get out of the surgery, out of the OR because he's got to go. You yeah. know what I mean? It's little things like that. That you know, great. He's a wise and amazing doctor, and he's so talented. And you know, thank God he saved lives. Mm -hmm. Where's his heart? Yeah. You know what I mean? And so yeah. it's little things like that. Or CEOs of companies, uh, of coaches. Why did you get in this? Because you're living vicariously through the ten-year-olds, or you have a heart to uplift and encourage new athletes, mm -hmm. new student athletes, and with their with their academics in line. Like the thing is, it's it's interconnected. It's not yeah. one or the other. Definitely, it's a heart posture, mm -hmm. and it starts with ourselves. Mm -hmm. I feel like until we can understand ourselves, our emotions, our things, you can't teach someone something mm -hmm. that you don't know or practice yourself. Yeah, right. So mm -hmm. it definitely just starts with individual person. Then you can pass that on to your children, to your spouses. You know, but it does really start with us, and it takes work. Oh, it, it takes, takes a, lot a, work. Work. <laughs> a lot of work. And you know, this whole thing um, I shared with Lisa. This whole topic was birthed with a conversation that I had with my son. We were talking about pain and suffering in relationships and conflict in interpersonal relationships. And at the time he was 12, he was, <laughs> mom, it's because people lack emotional intelligence. And I was like, what? I'm like, I honestly don't even know if I'd even thought of it that way. But he said that. Yeah. And I, he's 12. Yeah. I'm like, that's amazing to me. I was so impressed and I was like, oh, I have to do a whole podcast about that because it's so true. And it's, it's so interesting to think that if we can just tap into how we're feeling and tap into how, how we speak or how we behave affects how the other person is feeling and then try and be sensitive to come to a common goal. It's not that you're, you know, lording over someone else and their emotions. It's to how can we work together? This is a partnership. Yeah. And it's, it's so important. And going back to the part of like suffering, and why we endure suffering. I mean, the, the Bible talks about it. It mm -hmm. literally talks about it. Yep. And it's so it's in Romans 5, 3 and 5. But we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Mm. I so, love that verse. I know. I love it so much because... Even just speaking for myself, everything I've endured or suffered, anything I put in that category, mm -hmm. it wasn't enjoyable in the moment, certainly. And it was painful and you know frightening and frustrating and all of those icky feelings that you feel when you're suffering. But the only, the only reaction is to persevere. You have mm -hmm. to get through it. Yep. Not just to glorify God, but to get through it. Yeah. You know, to wake up tomorrow and feel better about it than you did today and to move on and to to exist in a healthy way with your families and your job and your kids and, and so we persevere, but mm -hmm. through the suffering we learn. Through yeah. through my heartache, like you just said earlier, through my heartache and the things that I've gone through, I'm able to see others suffering. Mm -hmm. And then for the whole purpose of spreading hope. Yeah. Like, okay, I, I've suffered. I understand what it feels like to persevere and it's developed a strong character in me so that I'm aware of these things and I have the heart and the passion um, to go and 
try and teach other people the skills that I've learned through my suffering. Mm-hmm. This I didn't learn this in school. I learned this through suffering. Yes. And God let that happen. Praise God. Thank you so much. <laughs> For I really have to rejoice in my suffering because I've learned so much about myself and now I'm able to move forward in a healthy way because I can interpret it properly. Mm-hmm. So so often we are five years old interpreting yes. things negatively when no somebody's just trying to help you. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's so interesting to me. So the closer I get to God, the more I suffer, the more character is developed, the more understanding, and the more empathy to go to grow my emotional intelligence so I can help others. That's my goal. Yeah. <laughs> That's really simple. Yeah, I love that. God really does do that. Like all the things that we go through are not just for us. Just like no. you said, you know, it's so we can help others. So mm-hmm. we can spread that hope. So we can show them Jesus through it. Because that's who was with us when we were suffering. Right. Exactly. And and so coming back to the overarching theme, it's like, okay, how does emotional uh, intelligence impact our kingdom work? We cannot glorify God the same way without emotional intelligence mm-hmm. because we can't connect with his people the same way. Mm-hmm. So just imagine, I'm so glad you shared that example of you and Ryan. Just think of the kids you're going to raise. Mm-hmm. They're going to be emotionally healthy. Look at the kingdom work that they're going to do. Look at the marriages that they're going to build. Look at the children they're going to raise. This has generational and kingdom implications. And it's huge. Absolutely. Just to be aware that this is a thing. Mm-hmm. I, I can't wait to see him look at his little baby and say, honey, why talk to me? Why do you feel that way? It's going to be so beautiful. Right? And for men to do it. Men are the head of the household. Yes. Little kids look so much to their fathers and women to their husbands to be that place, that safe place where they can go for spiritual guidance. Mm-hmm. It's so impactful and so incredible to have that anchor in your home where you can, you know, he's got you. Yes. You know, he's going to, to suffer with you and grow with you. And it's such a huge thing. Like you can have so much peace in your heart knowing he's going to raise my babies. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm so thankful mm-hmm. to God for him because not only is he my best friend and mm-hmm. the one that I love, but he helps me to grow. Mm-hmm. He teaches me so mm-hmm. much and it's all, you know, because he loves me mm-hmm. and he wants me to grow and he wants us to grow closer together. Mm-hmm. And he's definitely a strong leader in our household. And mm-hmm. I just, I'm so thankful for that. Amen. And and that's why, you know, God put him in your life mm-hmm. because God loves you. He knew. You. Yeah, he, he knew I needed it. <laughs> even though you didn't know and you probably didn't want it. Yeah. Right? Like, shoot. I have to think about this now. Dang. Exactly. Exactly. But in the suffering, now that like you've endured some suffering, um, some relationships that didn't work out and you mm-hmm. have that as a reference exactly. point to know what, what different is and what better is. Mm-hmm. No offense to them at all. But on an, yeah. an emotional intelligence um, plane, um, and so when I think about it, like, and I've said this and I, I'm sure I've sh- shared this almost every podcast, but I, you know, I've chosen a life first yes. for me. Uh, I've endured quite a bit of suffering for my 42 years and, um, and I rejoice in all of it. I, I, there's times when I think, oh, I could have cried a little less. That would be nice. Or, you know, could have <laughs> been hurt a little less. Sure. But I do rejoice in it. And so I chose my Bible verse, which is Genesis 50, 20. What you intended for evil and to harm me, God intended it for good. Mm-hmm. What is happening now, the saving of many lives. And the funny thing is that second part is so often left off mm-hmm. because you're like, yo, God intended it for good. But, but why? Mm-hmm. Why did God intend it for good? 
It's for the saving of many lives. So you bring more people to him so that you glorify him. It's not just so I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> right. Going back into the whole conversation about um, self-centeredness. Yes. My rejoicing in my sufferings is really not just for me. Mm -hmm. I'm enjoying it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But it's for others too. Yeah. And so when you think about it, like at each stage of suffering, like Joseph, for example, in, in Genesis, from, from the verses 37 through 50, I suggest you read it if you're not familiar with the story of Joseph, but uh, he was rejected by his family. He was mm -hmm. tormented. He was betrayed. He was sold into slavery. He was falsely accused of rape. He was imprisoned. At no time did he curse God. At no time did he become bitter. And the irony is in that perseverance, there was so much character developed and God had an overarching plan that he was reserving Joseph to save his people. Mm -hmm. And it was, it's just one, it's such a beautiful story. And the thing is, if someone had intervened and that suffering hadn't happened, ultimately God's goal would not be missed. So rather than to wish the suffering wasn't happening, try and see how God's building your character mm. in it and whom he's going to save through you. And it feels so empowering. It's so beautiful that suddenly the shift happens where you're like, okay, I'm suffering, but I'm learning and I'm growing. And yes. now I can go share this wisdom with others. Mm -hmm. And it's such a beautiful moment. Um, and I encourage anyone who feels like they have tremendous or profound suffering to seek the character development that is occurring in that stage and how God's going to glorify mm -hmm. his kingdom through it and to use you for kingdom purposes. Yeah. Um, but again, it requires the emotional intelligence. Definitely. And so remain faithful to God, seek the emotional intelligence. And ultimately what we need to do is exercise the fruits of the spirit. And so we, so many people talk about it and ask about it. Well, how do we have self-control and how, mm -hmm. now how are we supposed to gain this emotional intelligence? And, um, so I, again, another verse, <laughs> Galatians 5, 22 through 23, be the fruit of the spirit, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So those things require intention. Mm -hmm. You have to be intentional to be kind to have self-control, to be joyful in a situation that is arguably not joyful. These things require work, but it's kingdom work. And you're not just doing these things. You're not navigating life just for you. It's for God and for his children. And you are here for a purpose. And we live right now in very troubling times. Mm. Um, there's a lot of suffering around the world. Um, our existence in this time is not uh, by accident. And so we are going to be used by God to glorify his kingdom right where we are. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be a minister. You don't have to be a school teacher. You don't have to even have children yet. It doesn't It's none of those things. It's not like, well, I have to get there to do this. Mm -hmm. You can minister and you can love God and glorify God and be example to just whomever's around you in the moment. You have to wait for some big goal. Yeah. Like I said, minister and be loving and kind to the person in line at Starbucks, you know, who's having a bad day. It's, it doesn't have to be a giant thing. And the Bible says you will be trusted with little things before God trusts you with big things. Absolutely. And how are you going to be a steward of that situation before you're going to make a big impact? Um, and so I just want to encourage everybody. It's, it's such a huge, a huge, um, blessing to be self-aware it is incredibly beneficial to know where you're falling short, um, where you lack emotional intelligence, mm -hmm. where you lack maturity and spiritual maturity, because acknowledging and recognizing those things is a gift to be able to nurture those areas of your life. And you have to put your pride away for that. And that's a hard thing to do. Mm -hmm. To really recognize yes. 
very deficient. I guilty of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we don't, and we don't know, and we don't know what we don't know. Yeah. So we have to be open to relationships where they help pick us out. You mm -hmm. know, iron sharpens iron. So yep. if somebody loves you enough to tell you how do you need to improve, you better listen. Mm -hmm. And that's not criticism. There's a difference between criticism and nastiness and truly live prove you better listen. Mm -hmm. And that's not criticism. There's a difference between criticism and nastiness and truly live. You know, Cause I love him. Yeah. So why wouldn't I want our relationship to grow stronger and for me to be better, you know, mm -hmm. especially going to be his wife. Like, how can I be a better wife? Right. And I'm always like, we're both always thinking about those things. Like how can we just be better for each other? Oh, that's beautiful. And it requires humility. Yeah. And intention because you want you want to do well by mm -hmm. the relationship. And, and like we've talked about before, you, you'd rather avoid mistakes than correct them. Mm -hmm. So try to get it right the first time if you can. Yeah. <laughs> it's not always possible. I get it. But but why not try? Yeah. You know, why not try to have the wisdom and knowledge required and the emotional intelligence required to have a healthy and successful marriage? I mean, that's ultimately the goal, right? Absolutely. And so I was thinking about it. I have a bunch of questions. And again... I would love for, um, you can put something in the comments, you can email us, you can contact us. I would love to hear back from people on this. Um, any of my friends, you got my cell number, text me. <laughs> I, I'd be happy to have this conversation with you because I think this is a really wildly profound topic that is not openly discussed. Um, so one question, actually several questions. How is your emotional intelligence impacting your kingdom work? And for me, that one hit me hard. Mm -hmm. How is my emotional awareness of myself and others impacting my ability to be the hands and the feet of Jesus here on earth? That's a big question. Yeah, it is. And so I encourage people, let's have this conversation and, and really search your soul on this one. Is it having an impact at all? Mm -hmm. Is there something you could work on? Are you getting it right? Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> You know, that's wonderful. Yeah. But I think a lot of us need this, this area of our lives addressed and nurtured. Um, is how we are living and representing ourselves and the church glorifying God. Mm -hmm. Not when we're at church, <laughs> not, not for the hour and a half on Sunday. I mean, how are we interacting with our community that we see regularly? And how are we to be seen outside? Like if somebody saw you in your real life, in your home, if somebody saw how you conduct yourself with your kids, if someone saw how you conduct yourself as a representative of Jesus, would you be glorifying God? Mm. Anybody can show up for an hour and a half and be on their best behavior. Yep. But how are you living the other six days, you know? Mm-hmm. Then are we leading people to God or away from him? Mm. That one, I just got goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> that one hit me so hard. I mean, the Holy Spirit told me to ask you guys these questions. And, you know, it could be rhetorical. I'd love to hear from you. But um, really think about it. Is how you're living leading people away from God or toward God? Mm. That's huge. Because... Yep. Your relationship with God is extremely important and almost equally important is how is your relationship with God and your relationship with others and pointing them to God? Mm. How is that working? And so for me, that one really hit me. Like, do people who know me want to know Jesus? Mm. Am I encouraging people to find Jesus? Mm -hmm. It's, it's, a, it's our, that's our, the great commission. Um, and then is how I behave within my family, my job, my community, is, is how I exist, revealing God to others. Not just tell them about it. I want people, when they meet me, to experience Jesus through me. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily a, a door knock and telling, you know, spreading the gospel that way. I'm saying when people interact with me, 
do they feel like they've experienced Jesus? And I hope so. Even if I didn't discuss Jesus, I've had situations where people have met me and we've not talked about Jesus and they told me later that they experienced Jesus and I melted to a puddle because mm -hmm. that's the goal. Mm -hmm. I want when, when someone has an experience with me, even if I didn't talk about Jesus, even if they don't need you, need, I mean, so I know Jesus, that when they leave the interaction with me, they go, gosh, that something happened there. Yeah. I, there was, I felt something there. Mm -hmm. I felt loved. I felt there's a seen. difference. Yes. Yeah. But there's a difference um, in that they felt cared for mm -hmm. and that's true sincerely that's a goal of mine and i hope that i interact with people outside in society um, the bible says that you know what you've done for the least of me you've done for me yes and i believe that god places angels in our lives that don't look like angels <laughs> and just to see how we're doing with that yeah and are we leading people toward him and then that leads me um to one of my favorite quotes i've probably said in every podcast because it's one of my favorites is from jackie hill perry <laughs> People will meet you before they ever meet Jesus. So true. It's so powerful. so powerful. Exactly. So you tangibly, in your hands and coming out of your mouth and out of your actions, which is an extension of your heart, they're going to meet you before they meet Jesus. And are you going to represent Jesus? Are you going to present to them a person they want to know? It's huge. Mm -hmm. And so... I'll close with the following question. Are people experiencing Jesus when they meet you? And I think every interaction should have, every word that comes out of your mouth should have that overarching question. And then this is the final, final one. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't make you do homework. Who would a non-believer think Jesus is based on who you are? I mean, these, these heavy people, questions. No, I'm sorry. It's so good. She though. always gives homework. <laughs> she loves it. I know. I do. I love it. I'm a I really do. That's, I'm the dorkiest person you'll ever meet. But I'm going to say that again. Who would a non-believer think Jesus is based on who you are? Mm. That I just got goosebumps again. Mm -hmm. That is such a heavy question. Mm -hmm. So if you're going around telling people you know Jesus and you believe in Jesus, well, then who would people think he is? Yeah. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Holy, listen, talk to the Holy Spirit because he told me to ask you these questions. <laughs> you need to have a conversation with him if that hits your, hit your heart as heavy as it hit mine. You need to get on your knees and have a conversation with the Holy Spirit because that is legit. That is a real question. Yeah, I think that's if I so tell, good. If I tell you I serve Jesus Christ and you don't know him based on my behavior, who mm -hmm. do you think he is? Yeah. Oh, isn't that cool? That is, that's... <laughs> That's heavy. That's a good though. Mm -hmm. It's so true. Mm -hmm. If you're going to go around and, you know, preach Jesus and mm -hmm. talk about him, like, are you representing him the right way? Yeah. Wow. That's all. Well, real. with that, <laughs> we're going to pray. Let's now. pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for the blessings that you've given me. Thank you so much for our beautiful Lisa and for sharing authentically the stories of her life, Lord, so that we can make it tangible to our walk today. In our relationships today, Lord, and I ask God, please, those questions were so heavy, but it's by intention. We are living in troubling times in a world that is broken. And so who do people think you are based on us? The body of believers in the church. Are we representing you the way you need to be represented? Are we leading people to you? Are we in touch with our emotions and the emotions that you feel about us mm -hmm. and the emotions that you want us to evoke in others? Are we empathetic? 
Are we the hands and feet of heaven here on earth, Lord? And are we representing Jesus Christ the way you intended with the, the model, the perfect being, Lord, that you sent down for us to learn from? Lord, I ask that you open our hearts, that you grow our emotional intelligence, that we not be self-centered, that we be Christ-centered, Lord, today. Thank you for all the blessings, Lord. Yes. We love you, and we try, we strive, and we pray to glorify your kingdom. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. We hope your time with us has brought you closer to God. And makes you feel equipped, empowered, and encouraged to experience Eden on this side of heaven. To connect with us, please find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day!